Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to where you're listening. Please subscribe to where you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. So as we come upon Game 3 of the NBA Finals, both teams and both fan bases should have a different, very different view of this series. So at this point, the series is tied 1-1. And let me speak on let me speak on a neutral side first. To me, this series has been determined by two quarters. They've been they've been determined by the uh, fourth quarter of game 1 and the third quarter of game 3. I mean game 2. And what you're seeing is you're seeing two very evenly matched teams. But for certain, there's a lot of things that Boston does that's better than Golden State. There's a lot of things that Golden State does that's better than Boston. They kind of even each other out, and they're very you're looking at you're looking at an experienced team. Of course, Golden State's going to be experienced. They are, you know, they are. <laughs> This is their sixth championship in eight years, or sixth championship appearance in eight years. So you're looking at the experience, and you're looking at the shooting, you're looking at Steph Curry, and you're just seeing a team, the intensity of Draymond Green. You're seeing a team that knows how to win. You're seeing a team that's been there. When you're looking at Boston, you're seeing a young, athletic team uh, led by Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you're an incredible defensive team. So both teams are better at one thing than another team, but you're seeing a very evenly matched series. And like I said, that's that's if there's not if you if you question the validity of that statement, again, this series was has been determined so far. Now, yes, I understand that it's tied. This series has been determined by two quarters. So that's the neutral side. You know, you, you, the team that limits the turnovers and the team that plays the better defense that game is going to win the game. I know it's very, pretty much easier said than done, but if you look, Golden State had more turnovers than Boston uh, game one. They lost. Boston had more turnovers than Golden State game two. They lost. The, both of these teams are great at taking advantage of turnovers. So you're going they're going to have to you know they're going to have to take care of the ball and they're going to have to play defense. I mean, when you're going up against a a a team that has Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Jordan Poole going Andrew Wiggins going crazy from the three-point line, and on the other side, when you have Jalen Brown that's penetrating, when you have Jason Tatum that can seemingly shoot from anywhere, when you have Al Horford, Marcus Smart, defense is going to win. And that's why a lot of people have have picked Boston because they understand how important Boston is the better defensive team because they have younger legs, they have they just have a, they're they're like ranked number one in defense since like January. So that's the neutral side. 
But like I said, there's the 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 definition of fan, or let me say not the definition. Fan is short for fanatic. So let me talk about how both sides should be looking at this series so far. Let's talk about the Golden State side. No, let's talk about Boston side first. You can have two schools of thought for Boston. You can say game one was more like the Boston that we'll see, or you can see game two is more like the Boston that we'll see. What do I mean by that? Game one, Jason Tatum didn't have the best game scoring-wise, but he had, I think, his one of his best assist games in his career. I think he was like 12 points, 13 assists, which is the most, I believe, uh, in a finals debut. Jalen Brown played incredible. Al Horford played incredible. I think Al Horford had 26 points. Marcus Smart played incredible. Uh, Derek White played incredible. And Golden State, I'm not going to say they were dominating the entire game, but they they were pretty much, they were the better team the entire game until the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, I think Boston went on a 40 to 16 run. And blew the game open and then they won to 120 to 108. So you can look at that as no, you're probably not going to get 26 uh what 21 25 from Marcus Smart, Al Horford and Derek White. You're probably not going that's probably not going to happen. But what you can do is you can get more contributions for them from them. You're going to get you can get 15 points from Al Horford. You can get 10, 15 points from Marcus Smart. You can get 10, 15 points from Derek White. On top of that, Jason Tatum's going to shoot better. Marcus Smart is going to, I mean, no, uh, Jalen Brown is going to continue to be aggressive in attack. Or you can be like game two. Jason Tatum had a, had a better game offensively. I think he had like 28 points or something like that. Uh, Jalen Brown was hella aggressive in the first first quarter or first half. Let's say J- Jason Jalen Brown was aggressive first half. I mean first quarter mostly. Jason Tatum was aggressive mostly the second quarter. The problem is though, and it's not just Golden State. Boston has struggled this entire series with uh, turnovers and with. Not in series, this entire playoff run. They've struggled with turnovers and they've struggled with third quarters. I don't know what it is about third quarters from Boston, but how Golden State is on one complete end of the different end of the spectrum with third quarters, Boston's on the other. Boston just struggles. But even in that, they struggled game one third quarter. I think they were down by as much as 15 points in the third quarter and came back and won. So you can think to your, you can feel good about yourself saying, well, we haven't been completely outplayed. They've only been completely outplayed one quarter, and that was game two, quarter three. But you haven't been completely outplayed, and you're going against a juggernaut that is that is the Golden State Warriors, and you have been going toe to toe. And now you did what you were supposed to do. You took game. You took a game in Golden State. So now you got to handle your business at home, which easier said than done because I think they're like five and four at home. Now, but you can say, well, we're five and four at home, but we're six and no after a loss. So there's ways if you're Boston or you're a Boston fan 
to tell yourself positives, you know, uh, look at this series in a positive way. A lot of people didn't have them winning a game in Golden State. So that is a way that you can look at it. If you're in Golden State side, you this game is a quarter away, which is game one, quarter four. A quarter away from being 2-0. Steph Curry is playing his bet. Is playing his best basketball probably since the beginning of the year. He's averaging 31 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, and four and a half assists. You're tied in a series where Clay Thompson has played pedestrian at best. I think first game he had 15, second game he had 11, I believe. Uh, he just has not been able to catch a rhythm. Jordan Poole was able to catch rhythm game game two in that third quarter where they I mean Golden State won game two 107 to 88 and there was a point in that game where they were up by I think 30 points now you knew they were going to come desperate I mean you the last thing you want to do is go down 0-2 going to Boston so you knew that they were going to play their best and it it was looking kind of it was looking kind of sketchy game. I mean, the first quarter of game two, but they they turned it around and, and and led by Steph Curry, they were able to do what they had to do. So, as a Golden State fan, you can think to yourself, okay, well, again, we 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 only had one bad quarter, pretty much. And if it wasn't for that, we'll be down. We'll be up 2-0 going to Boston, where Boston has struggled uh, to win at home for whatever reason. So if you look at the series averages, Golden State's averaging about 108 points a game. Boston's averaging 104. Boston's averaging pretty much a half rebound more than Golden State. And they're averaging pretty much four assists more than Golden State. So that pretty much shows this has been an even series. Here's here's let's 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 kind of go on the negative side for both teams. First and foremost, let's let's start with Golden State. Golden State should very much have won game one. And I think they understood the 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 severity of that loss and the fact that you do not want to go down 0-2, which is why you saw how they played. But they, sh this isn't the time where you can just, ah, we'll get the next one. No. This is the NBA Finals. It's the first of four. Now, you heard Clay and Dre say it's the first of four, not the first of one, which I understand that. But that was a golden opportunity. And this is the NBA Finals. Sometimes you don't get those. A lot of times you don't get those opportunities back. Now, I'm not saying that Golden State is going to win this series. I'm not saying that Boston is going to win this series. Let me say, I did predict Golden State in six. Um, but I'm not here to double down on my pick. I'm not here to change my pick. I'm just talking about what we see. Also, I am recording this Tuesday night. So I don't know, you know, by the time you guys see this, which is Wednesday morning, game Three would be to, or game three would be today for that day. 
when you guys see it. So I don't know what's going to happen in game three. Come back on Saturday and talk about it. But I'm just talking about what we've seen for the first two games. Again, Golden State, man, you're starting to see. I don't believe they can win this series if Klay Thompson doesn't have one. I'm not saying he needs to be. He needs to be the the game six clay the entire series, but he needs to be able to be depended on offensively. And, and at least the first two games, he has not been. Now, shout out to Jalen Rose because he pointed out something as to what could be contributing to Clay Thompson's struggles. Clay Thompson is best when he is a catch-and-shoot player. Klay Thompson is, I'm not saying he cannot put the ball on the ground, but that's not his strong suit. When you look at a lot of, uh, one thing that Boston is doing incredible at is running Klay Thompson off the line, making him a jump, making him a, a, a driver, which is not Klay Thompson's strong suit. Doesn't say he can't do it, and especially in game two, he missed a lot of chippies, but that is that is the Clay Thompson that you know. Clay Thompson is at his best when when he's a catch and shoot player, and 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 Golden State knows that. I think what you're going to see is you're going to try to you're going to start to see them really try to get Clay Thompson clean looks. Now he's missed a lot of clean looks in this series, but a lot of them has been difficult. You know, put the ball on the ground, driving on Peyton Bridger, driving on. Uh, Jalen Brown and, and doing tough shots and especially a lot of people are like how do we why do you keep saying okay so so one thing that I do want to address about this a lot of people ask well you keep talking about Clay Thompson injuries why is why do we talk about Clay Thompson injuries when he's when he has a bad game but don't say anything when he has a good game and I think I think what people have to understand is, again, Clay Thompson, and, and it's been said several times now, Clay Thompson has missed missed 941 days before coming back to play due to two, an ACL tear and an Achilles tear. The reason why, one of the biggest reasons why I think that you're seeing Clay struggle is it's tough to ask anybody to come back from those two injuries back to back. Let alone ask someone to come back from those two injuries, then play a, a, a good handful of games, then go all the way to the NBA Finals and run and, and chase people like Jalen Brown around or Derek White around. That is tough to do, and you're starting to see. I think his legs are getting heavy because a lot of times, even when he's open and he's missing, a lot of the shots are short. I think his legs are heavy. Now, you also don't see the pop that you used to see from Klay Thompson. Now, I don't think I'm – usually you don't get that back after those two gruesome injuries, but look at look at Steph – I mean, look at uh, uh, KD. KD looks damn near like he's never been injured. So I'm not saying it can't happen, but I'm saying it's going to take – it's going to take some time. So I don't think Golden State needs him to be game six clay the entire series. But I do think they need at least one or two signature games. 
maybe you know we got a game six clay against uh memphis we got a game five against dallas there he's going to i do not think golden state has a chance if he does not come to play now a lot of people say but what about jordan Poole? it's hard asking a player like Jordan Poole, and he's been incredible this whole season, so don't don't get it twisted. But it's hard asking a player like Jordan Poole to then have to average 25 to 30 points a game. Now, I'm not saying that Klay Thompson needs to average 25 to 30 points a game. But what I'm saying is take some of the pressure off of – right now, it's the initial fear of Klay Thompson. That Clay Thompson can go off at any moment. It just hasn't happened yet. And once it happens, that, that'll probably change the entire game plan of Boston. Because at that point, Clay Thompson's going off. So you, you can't just single coverage him or you can't just double step. Like it's it's just a lot. And especially with Draymond Green going around, they're gonna get Clay open. So Clay is gonna have to be Clay is gonna have to give them at least one or two games. And I, I will say this. Once Clay starts going, you kind of take the pressure off Steph because Steph's going to be Steph. I mean, you're going against Marcus Smart, who is the defensive player of the year, and he's averaging 32 points a game pretty much. Uh, but once Clay goes off, that that kind of that kind of opens up the door for Steph. That opens up the door for Jordan Poole. So it, it just the Golden State cannot win if if Clay continues continues to struggle the way he's been struggling that's just that's just truth in my opinion also a a lot of rhetoric has been around uh draymond green and his uh i guess you can say uh antics um you know going at almost every or pretty much every player on boston team and uh, I do agree with the fact that Draymond Green does have to be careful because the last thing you want to do is get suspended, especially in the finals. We know what happened last time he got suspended in the finals. That's the last thing you want to do, especially against this Boston team where you are as important as Steph Curry. Not saying you're more important, but you're as important because Steph Curry, what he what he provides offensively and the pressure that he puts on Boston offensively, Draymond Green does the same thing defensively. As we saw, game one, Draymond Green looked a little timid. I'm not going to say timid, but he looked lethargic. He he wasn't as fiery as usual. And they lost. Golden State lost. Game two, you got the regular uh, Draymond Green going at everybody. Elena Grant Williams yelling at everybody, even the coach, Amayadoka. And they won. I'm not saying that that is the remedy, but there is a correlation to when when – when Draymond Green plays fire, he plays good. There is a correlation to the Golden State winning. So, moving forward, man, you're gonna need to get more out of Clay. You're gonna need to get more out of Dre. Andrew Wiggins is playing great. Even he, Andrew Wiggins is playing great. Uh, Steph Curry's playing great. It's just you're gonna have to get help from the others. And right now, Clay Thompson is well. He has always been the other. He's been a better other. But you're gonna need. You're gonna need get. You're going to need to get better contributions from the others. Because 
it's going to be hard winning the way that they won game two if Clay Thompson isn't going to resemble the old Clay in Boston. And Draymond Green is a very smart person. He knows that a lot of things that he's able to get away with in, in Golden State, he's not going to be able to get away with in Boston. So that's on the Golden State side, man. Some of the When I watch this Boston team, I get – I kind of get a sense of – the 2012 Oklahoma City Thunder. If you look on paper, Boston is the clear better team than, than Golden State. If you look at that 2012 Oklahoma City team, on paper, that team was clearly better than the uh, Miami Heat. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, Miami Heat had Bosch, they had LeBron James, they had Dwayne Wade. This Golden State team has Steph, has Clay, has Dre. But if you look at the totality of the teams, Boston is a better team than Golden State. But why did that 2012 team lose? 2012 Oklahoma City Thunder team lose? Two reasons. One, there's something to be said about experience. There's something to be said about Knowing how to act in the room once you get there. And again, shouts out to Boston. This, I mean, the series is still 1 1, but Boston, how do I? Boston, there are some, there are sometimes they look like. Now, let's take, let me say this. Let's take. Let's take Golden State's game, uh, Golden State's third quarter from game two. Let's take that away. And let's take away Boston's game or Boston's fourth quarter in game one. Take that away. This series has been even outside of one. I would give the advantage to the series to Golden State because of the first the game three, I mean, game one, third quarter. Because that's when Golden State had them up like 15 points. And a lot of people thought it was over. Hell, I thought it was over at least that game. So, it just, there's a, t- there's a lot of times when it feels like the, the light is, is very bright for Boston. Even in the game that they won. Now, they had a historic fourth quarter but in game one. But it just some, sometimes it seems like, especially game two, it just seems like the light's too bright. When you have three starters score a combined six points. Starters. When you have Steph Curry... Win the defensive battle against Al Horford. Al Horford has Steph Curry in the paint. Back and Steph Curry down, and Steph Curry ends up winning that battle. It just seems, it, it just seems, there's times when it seems like the light's very bright for Boston. And that gets me to Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum 
far and away has the most turnovers in these playoffs. I think he has like 80-something turnovers. Now, I know he's played more games than a lot of players, but he has like 86 or something. The second person has like 63, and I think that's Jason. That's Jalen Brown. So your two best players has the most turnovers in the playoffs. And they both oh, – <laughs> game two, bro, they were throwing the ball. I think they had – had like nine, 18 turnovers. And out of those 18 turnovers, it's different if you like throw the ball. I think Clay Thompson had one of these. When he was driving, he threw the ball to the three-point line to Jay, uh, Jordan Poole, and the ball like sailed high. Out of those 18 turnovers, 15 were steals. As, and I'm not saying it's just Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's Boston that had 18 turnovers, but – Jalen, Jason Tatum had the most. You see, what you're starting to see is kind of like the 2012 um, Oklahoma City Thunder. There's a lot of parallels from that team to this team. One, Russell Westbrook is not a traditional point guard. And when I say traditional point guard, I mean the Chris Pauls in the sense of doesn't really look for his shot. He looks to get other people's shots. He looks to get other people going before he goes. He gets going himself. Marcus Smart is not a traditional point guard. Neither is Russell Westbrook. Now, I'm not comparing them talent-wise. I'm comparing them in the sense of Marcus Smart is not a, a, the type of player to say, all right, let me get other people involved or let me get other people going before I get myself going. That's just not who Marcus Smart is. He's an incredible defensive player, but... As sense of a point guard, that's not who he is. Russell Westbrook, not really the sense of a point guard. He's not a traditional point guard. He is a point guard. He's not a traditional point guard. He's attack, get his points. That's that's who Russell Westbrook is. Jason Tatum, a young, you know, Jason Tatum, a young, a young player, had had a good game, but had a lot of turnovers these first two games, i.e. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Look how many turnovers Kevin Durant had in that 2012 series. Then you have James Harden. Well, he was coming off the bench at the time, but he was uber aggressive at times. And then those other times when you couldn't, you forgot he was on the floor, i.e. Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had like 13 straight points game two. In the first quarter. And then I think the next the next half, he was like one for 11. What I'm just saying is I can, I can see both teams losing this series. Again, I know I picked Golden State in six. But I can see both because, I mean, Boston is the better team than Golden State. Golden State has the better player. And they've been there. There, Oklahoma City should have beat Miami in. Tw if you look on paper, Oklahoma City should have beat Miami in 2012. But there was no way in hell they were going to do that, especially when you have LeBron, D Wade. When the whole Miami team has been there, and you're going up against a young Oklahoma City team, Golden State is going up against a young Boston Celtics team, and another thing. 
we just I just said, you know, uh Draymond Green is an incredibly intelligent player. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer. You think he doesn't know the the going at every single player, being the loudest? You you don't think he doesn't know what that does to a young team and how it gets them off kilter? Yeah, you have Al Horford who just turned what 36 and he's played what 15 years and this is his first finals. But you don't think Draymond Green doesn't know what that altercation with Jalen Brown does to his psyche or the continuous going back and forth with Grant Williams does? Draymond Green understands, especially with a young team. I'm not saying it breaks a team, but what it does is it it, it averts their focus. As So let me just speak basketball players. Now, I've never been in the NBA, so let me not sit here and say I've been in the NBA. But as I've hooped, you know, I, I, I played college, I played middle school, I played, you know, I played. One thing that is very one thing that can be can be said about basketball players, hell, any sport, is if you feel disrespected, you're going to address and attack that disrespect at the moment. But what does that do? That takes that 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 takes you away from the from from your current situation to address whatever you're trying to address. That means. Now Derek White is worried about what Draymond Green is saying. Now Grant Williams, who was a godsend for Boston in the Miami series, has not shown up these first two series or first two games. Now Jalen Brown is worried about, you know, his interaction with Draymond Green and has one of the worst second halves I've seen him have his entire career. What I'm saying is savvy vets. Savvy vets. Savvy vets is what ma- what wins championships, and 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 it's going to be interesting. I will say this. I think I put this on Twitter, but I will say this. Who I believe, I could be wrong clearly, but I believe whoever wins Game Three probably will win the series because it's hard. For me to see Golden State then winning the next three out of four. When Boston only has to win two out of four. And then on top of that, Boston struggles at home. Or on the reverse, Boston struggles at home. So I can see Golden State taking back home court advantage in game three. And if that's the case, the last thing you want to – it could go seven. The last thing you want to do is play Golden State – for all the marbles in game seven at Oracle. So, I mean, not Oracle, at the Chase Center. So this is, one thing I will say, this has been a very great, a good series, man. This has been a very good series. You have a lot of storylines. Steph Curry looks like the clear cut, if if Golden State wins. Steph Curry looks like the clear cut Finals MVP. The one you know, and and a lot of people are saying, well, his legacy has to be his legacy. He's the one thing he doesn't have, which he understands is a is an NBA Finals MVP. That that's which he should have had in 2015, but neither here nor there. Steph Curry has played great, even though Jason Tatum has not played well. He contributed you know he had 13 assists in game one 
He had like 28 points game two, and he was letting it go from three in the second quarter of game two. It, it's, just, it's been a good series. These last two series have been, or last two NBA finals have been really good, man, uh, with, you know, Milwaukee and Phoenix last year, and this year Golden State and, and Boston. So, again, Wednesday, which tonight when you guys get this, it will be game three. And I'm going to predict. I'm going to. Mm, see, it's tough because, again, the stats are there. And I know basketball is more than stats and analytics, but I'm not going to say stats. The history is there. When I say history, we've seen Golden State played really well on the road this year. We've also seen them lose by 50 points on the road or beat down as much as 50 points to Memphis on the road. Um, I also, it's hard for me to see Clay Thompson struggle three games in a row, especially when he understands how important he is to the team offensively. Uh, Steph, what, like, what happens if Steph Curry has an off game? Then that is, then, then what happens? So, on the flip side, Boston has struggled at home. I think, like I said, they're five and four at home uh, this playoffs. But I, there's no way I can see Al Horford. I mean, you know, the role players play better at home, so Al Horford is probably going to play. He has to play better than just scoring two points. Marcus Smart's going to be better. Derek White's going to be better. Uh, Grant Williams is going to be better. Jalen Brown is probably going to be more aggressive, like he's been. I'm just going to go on a limb and say Golden State wins game three. Yeah, Golden State wins game three, I think. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I have from that series. Uh, and we'll see what happens in game three. Moving forward. So Quinn Snyder is out uh, as Utah's head coach. He resigns. He steps away. One thing that I've said, I've said on this podcast, I've said it several times. Sometimes you have to know when it's over. And what you see a lot is teams, players, don't see it when they should see it. They see it when it's way too late. Let me give you three instances when a team, I'm not going to single out a player, a team. It was over way before it was over, if that makes sense. Let's start with 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 the famous one, or with with one of the most recent ones. Trailblazers. There was always a ceiling with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. We talked about this with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. There was always a ceiling with C.J. McCollum and, D- and Damian Lillard, both very gifted offensive players, but both don't really bring much to the defensive side of the ball. And it's kind of hard when two of your your two of your backcourt mate or two backcourt players don't really play defense, which is why you saw year after year after year they'll get bounced out the first round or they'll make it to the conference finals that one year and get bounced again. 
Like you look at you look at you looked at Portland and you knew there was no way in heaven and hell they can win championship. None. Hell, that's how it looked like now. But even with how good CJ McCollum is, even with how good Damian Lillard was, you knew or is, you knew there was no way they can win championship. In fact, a lot of people are saying they should have blew it up or broke it, broke that up five years before they did. Now you look, CJ McCollum's in New Orleans. Dame is coming, you know, recovering from injury. But I don't think I don't I don't think Portland is anywhere closer to a championship with or without Damian or with or without CJ McCollum than they were with you know than they were five years ago. That is an example of a team that should have blew it up a long time ago, but didn't. Let's go to go. Let's go to Washington. John Wall and, and Bradley Bill. There was a ceiling there, and while I'm a Washington fan, I love John Wall, I love Bradley Bill. There was a ceiling there, and it didn't help that John Wall had two consecutive injuries, kind of like Clay Thompson. The difference between John Wall and Klay Thompson is Klay Thompson doesn't didn't rely on his or doesn't rely on his athleticism to carry his 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 game. That's what that's John Wall's number one attribute is his is his athleticism. So when when you have two lower leg injuries like he had, I'm not saying he's he's a, he's a shell of himself. Let's say that. But about four or five years ago, they were saying, yo, it's time to break this up. Now, Washington's kind of still in that pattern with, with Bradley Bill. What do you do with Bradley Bill? Do you trade him? Do you give him a, a supermax? Like, what do you do? Still in that cycle. And the last team I'm going to talk about. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to talk about is the beloved Dallas Cowboys. They're kind of, in my opinion, in the situation right now with Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott at one point, was arguably the best running back in the league. If you look, ever since he got his his payday, he did get injured, but he has been a shell of himself. And since then, Dallas has lost Amari Cooper. They've lost uh, Cedric Wilson. They've lost Randy Gregory. They've lost some key pieces. And now it's hard to trade or get rid of Ezekiel Elliott because of how much you're paying him. And I don't, I think if you would have maybe tried to deal him before, like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, what I'm saying is teams, there are some teams that Should have broke up a long or should have blew it up a long time ago, but don't. And now they suck in situations like you have with Utah and Quinn Snyder, Utah and Donovan Mitchell, Utah and Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert. Nobody thinks 
Every year, every single year, Utah is at one of the top teams in the West. Hell, what, last year, weren't they number one? And Quinn Snyder knows this too, which is why he's not there anymore. He's the second winningest coach in Utah history next to or behind Jerry Sloan. And as you heard, you heard Danny Ainge in their press conference. They wanted to keep him bad. But <laughs> kind of like Portland, it doesn't matter what Utah does. Hell, again, a year or two ago, they were the number one team in the NBA record-wise. Nobody in their mama thought they were going to win a championship. And they didn't. Why? Because outside of Donovan Mitchell, who is a star, not a superstar in my opinion, and Rudy Gobert, who is a good defensive player, great defensive player, that's about it. There was a ceiling there. And instead of doing what they should have done a while ago and broke them up, now they're pretty much going to be forced to. Something is not right in, in, in Utah. And it starts with the fact that a head coach, they begged Quinn Snyder to stay. They were willing to give him an extension and make him the highest paid coach in the NBA. And he said, no. Nah. He walked in. He saw that this team is not going to be the same. He looked and said he's about to lose one of his one of his uh, stars. He's about to lose Rudy Gobert or he's about to lose Donovan Mitchell. One of them, maybe even both, is out of here. I, I There's no point in me staying because at that point you're setting Quinn Snyder, who is one of the best coaches in the league, you're, you're, you're setting him up for failure. So now it's it just it, – A stack of cards, you know how they'd be making cars into, like, towers and stuff? Eventually, it's going to fall. Either someone's going to prematurely knock it down, someone's going to knock it down when you finish, or it's going to eventually fall. What do you want to be? Now you're seeing all the dominoes are falling for Utah. And a lot of this could have been prevented. Because, and here's the thing that people's like, well, if you blow it up, you're not going to win a championship anyway. It's true. But the last thing, and I talk about this all the time, the last thing you want to do is be the middle of a pack team. Like the Utah Jazz. What's another middle of the pack team? The Atlanta Hawks, the Charlotte Hornets, the the San Antonio Spurs. Why do why do you not want to be the middle of a pack team? Hell, even in the NFL, the the middle of a pack team in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans, the 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 Miami Dolphins. Now the New Orleans, I mean the New England Patriots, the Washington Commanders, 
The reason why you don't want to be the middle of a pack because you have nowhere to go. You're not bad enough to be a a, a, a top lottery pick or, or dr- unless you do a trade or something or draft high in the lottery. So you're not going to get one of the top talents in the league or top talents in the draft because you're you're too good for that. You I'm not say too good. You're you're scheduled you're you're sched your your record is not good enough or it's too good to to be in the lottery or too good to get a a a high draft pick in, in the NFL draft. However, you're not good enough to be in the playoffs. You're not good enough to make any noise in the playoffs. Hell, we need to see what happens when Zion Williamson comes back, but the New Orleans Pelicans is a middle-of-a-pack team. They're, they're, they're too good to have a, a really good draft pick. Well, they're going to have one because of the Lakers, but they're too good to have a regular draft or a, a high draft pick, but they're not good enough to make any noise in the playoffs. Ain't nobody named, nobody thinks that, that New Orleans Pelicans are going to win a championship. Or nobody thought that this year. And honestly, nobody really thinks that next year. That's what that's what, Quinn Snyder knows this, which is why he is not the head coach of Utah anymore. And he ain't get fired. He left. He was like, "Yeah, I'm out. This, I'm out, dog. I, I'm not doing this." I see the writing on the wall. The writing that's been there for five years now, and now it's it's, it's starting to really seep through. Because think about this, man. Let's just look at this year. Utah was one of the top teams to blow double-digit leads. Just this year. One of the top teams at giving up double-digit leads. If you go to these playoff series, two games, two of the three, two three games, two games, they didn't have Luka Doncic. Dallas didn't, and they lost. A lot of people look at uh, what Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz did in the bubble. You know, he was having 50-point games left and right. Uh, But even in that, they didn't win nothing. They lost to Denver that series. As the number one overall seed, they lost to a Clippers team the year after. A Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, you had Paul George, but it was Paul George and Reggie Jackson. No Kawhi. They lost that series. Which allowed the Clippers to make their first conference championship ever. So what I'm saying is this, man. Quinn Snyder is out. Utah has a lot of questions. It's not really questions. It is question. It's one question. Who the hell is leaving? It's either going to be one of two. Maybe it's going to be one, two, or both. The last thing you want it to be is both. And actually, the last thing you want it to be is both. The second to last thing you want it to be is neither. Because as we see, it's clear Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert don't want to play with each other. Or at least Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to play with Rudy Gobert. Yo, there was a time, there was a point in the series against Dallas where I think Donovan Mitchell th- passed Rudy Gobert the ball once. To, to emphasize how hard that is, 
There are times in a game, especially if you're going off, where teams are going to double you, right? And the the one thing that you're going to do is try to get the ball out of your hands, so you don't they, you don't allow them to. Even if they're double, doubling you, you want to get the ball out of your hands. Time is on the clock, or time is running. You just want to get the ball out of your hands. Even in that, it is you have to make it an effort to pass a man the ball. There's only five people on your team on the court at one time. You have to make it an effort to only pass it to the biggest man on the court, by the way, once. So the last thing Utah wants is for both of them, which is Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert to leave. On top of that, Dan Snyder leaving. They also don't want Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell to stay because, as we can clearly see, it's not working. So one of them is going to go. I think more they want Rudy Gobert to go than Donovan Mitchell. But as we know, Donovan Mitchell, seeing how the league is, uh, is going to draw more of a you know going to draw more of a, a, a package. So we'll see what happens. But as of right now, Dan Snyder is out, and it's crazy, man. And shouts out to Derwin Derwin Ham Darvin Ham. I do think it was a good. I do think it was a good hire. But imagine if the Lakers would have waited. A couple days. Dan Snyder could have been right there. Or Quinn Snyder could have been right there. Not Dan. Quinn Snyder could have been right there. But, you know, it is what it is. Now we'll see what happens to Utah. Because ain't no way, unless they get LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or Steph Curry or Giannis or Dame or somebody to pair alongside Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they're not winning championship. And ain't none of that ever happened. None of that's going to happen. So we'll just see what happens with Utah. So, yeah. Moving forward. One thing that I say a lot here, one thing that a lot of people say on sports talk, TV and radio um, is there's a difference between valuable and best. Ice cream is the best. Ice cream is the best. Salads are more valuable. Um, motorcycles are the best. Cars are probably more valuable. When we talk about the game of football, we know how valuable quarterbacks are. Quarterbacks are pretty much the end-all, be-all, and if you're going to win or not. You're, you can have the greatest defense of all time. You can have the greatest offense of all time. If you don't have a good quarterback, you don't have much held. You, I know people are going to say, but what about Trent Dilford? Okay. Trent Dilford was serviceable. He wasn't bad. Don't believe me? Look at the Miami Dolphins the last few years. Incredible team. Great team. Championship caliber team. Just didn't have the right quarterback. So we understand, I understand how valuable quarterbacks are. 
Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL. Not saying he's the most valuable, but he is the best player in the NFL. And he just got a three-year, I think, $95 million extension. This man has, I think, eight or nine Pro Bowls, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, one of two players to win the Defensive Player of the Year as a rookie, I think. I don't think there is a player, non-quarterback, that impacts a game as much as Aaron Donald does for the L.A. Rams. There's, I mean, you have Alvin Kamara, you have uh, Devontae Adams, you have Cooper Cup, you have Jamar Chase, you have uh, Jonathan, uh, Derek Henry. All incredible talents, all-time all talents. None of them impact a game like Aaron Donald does. And if you don't believe me, look at the last play of the AFC or NFC Championship. Look at the last two plays of the Super Bowl. And tell me, who impacted what those plays more? You know what's crazy? And, and kind of solidifies what I'm saying. Y'all remember when uh, Patrick Mahomes got that like 10-year, five hundred million dollar year or five hundred million dollar contract and there wasn't one person <laughs> I have yet to see one person to say you know what he did not deserve that <laughs> that was a bad contract why would you give him 10 years 500 million no one I've not heard a soul say that same thing with this I've not heard a soul say Aaron Donald is the highest paid non-quarterback in the league. He doesn't deserve that. What has Aaron Donald done? In fact, let me let me just uh, take a gander. Let me just tell y'all, for people that don't know what he's done already. Super Bowl champion, three-time defensive player of the year, uh, defensive rookie of the year, um, seven-time, seven-time first-team All-Pro Bowl, eight-time Pro or I'm sorry, seven-time first-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowl. He made the NFL 2010 All-Decade team and the Deacon Jones Award. Aaron Donald is uh, the best player in the league. I understand the whole valuable quarterbacks are probably more valuable but Aaron Donald is the is the best player in the league, and he will go down as arguably the greatest defensive player ever. I know it's hard for a lot of people, which, again, I wasn't – I really wasn't – I don't think I was alive when when Lawrence Taylor was playing. And if I was – I mean, I was born in 1994, so – I don't really remember Lawrence Taylor like that. Of course, you have highlights and everything, so I'm not going to disrespect Lawrence Taylor the way I'd be disrespecting Bill Russell. 
I understand. I mean, I I, know, I hear the stories of Lawrence Taylor. Is they didn't, you know, they didn't. He didn't have. They didn't have defense or offensive. If you they had to tap, they had to block him with three players every time, or he's getting. To, I know that. But in some people's eyes, number one or two defensive player ever is Aaron Donald. And it's it's not hard to see why. I know from what I know. I mean, there's been some great defensive players, man. Ray Lewis, J.J. Watt, White, Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor. And the fact that you're in the conversation as the greatest, something to be said there. So, shouts out to Aaron Donald for getting his contract extension. Uh, Definitely well-deserved. And lastly, before we go, we have the unpopular topic of the day. So, as the NBA Finals and NBA Playoffs has been going on, it's been parallel or it's been going, you know, running in conjunction with the NHL Playoffs. And uh, the Avalanche just beat uh, Edgerton or Eckerton or whatever. Yeah, the Oilers 4-0. And currently the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are looking for their or trying to three-peat, are in a dogfight with the New York Rangers. And I'm watching these games, man. And it dawned on me. Now, of course, I'm not the most, I'm not the smartest when it comes to hockey. I, I can't say I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I can't say I'm a, a hockey enthusiast. I watch it when it's on TV. Uh, but one thing hit me. I think the goalie position is the most important position in sports. Now, well, <laughs> I understand the people that are typing, but what about quarterback? What about quarterback? Hear me out. We just talked about Aaron Donald. I just talked about Aaron Donald. And I know a lot of, I say that, it doesn't matter how good of a, a team you have. If your quarterback is trash, you're not going to win. That shows you how valuable quarterback is, right? I also gave an example of Trent Dilfer. Not saying, Trent Dilfer was not trash. He was a very serviceable quarterback. But if Trent Dilfer didn't have one of the greatest defenses of all time in the Ravens and, and you know, Ray Lewis in the, in the Ravens defense – it doesn't care how serviceable he was. You're not winning. So, no, I don't think Trent Dilfer was garbage, but he wasn't that good. He was serviceable. He just he did just enough, just enough so that the defense can take over. Sort of the same way at the, the last Super Bowl for Peyton Manning. When, it was a Super Bowl 50. The Broncos against the, the, the Panthers. Peyton Manning was garbage. Let me not say that. Peyton Manning was serviceable when he needed to be. 
He had a he had a historic career. Will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But that last year, when they won, he was just serviceable enough to have an all time great defense with Von Miller, which is why Von Miller won the Super Bowl MVP. I'm looking at hockey. And I'm seeing great players, man. I'm seeing I'm seeing players like Connor McDavid. I'm seeing who who a lot of people think is the best player in hockey. I'm seeing Vander Kane. I'm seeing Alex Ovechkin. I'm seeing a lot of these a lot of these great players. But that don't matter. <laughs> that really don't matter, man. Leon Drastry. 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 I don't know. Mike uh, Zibajit. These last names is killing me. Victor Hammond. Look, what I'm saying is this. I'm seeing a lot of great. I mean, Connor McDavid, who just got swept, by the way, had 33 postseason goals or points, not goals, points. Yet and still, it didn't matter because the Avalanche had the better goalie. Right now, a lot of people think that. What's his name? Um, Igor uh, Igor Shesterkin, who is the goalie for the Ray, the Rangers, is the best goalie in in in, in hockey. And right now, as we're as I'm recording this, they are up on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who is going for a three peat. What I'm saying is this, man. You can have a serviceable quarterback. You can have a okay quarterback and have a historic defense and you can still win. Not saying you cannot have a bad quarterback. I'm not go- you cannot have a bad quarterback and win. You can have a serviceable quarterback but have an all-time defense, have an all-time uh, offense and win. You can have a uh, a trash point guard, but play alongside. I mean, Norris Cole, and that's no offense to him, but Norris Cole won a championship as a Mario Chalmers won a championship as a starting point guard. Why? Because he played alongside Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. You can be service. You can be a serviceable point guard. You can be a serviceable. Uh, Pitcher, you can be a serviceable quarterback. You have to be a great goalie or your team has no shot in winning. We just saw Connor McDavid, who is the who is arguably the best player in the NHL currently, get swept by the Avalanche because the Avalanche has a better goalie. 
We're about to see possibly the the Tampa Bay Lightning lose because they're going against uh, Igor Shesterkin, who is the better goalie. It don't matter how good you Austin Matthews. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you do not have a good goalie, it don't matter. So, my unpopular opinion of the day is the most important position in sports that dictates winning and losing, in my opinion, is the goalie for NHL. The reason why uh, it's not really talked about a lot because a lot of people don't watch hockey, which I understand. I don't really watch hockey that much. But watching these playoffs, it's starting to get apparent. The goalie and and what about I hear people what about soccer soccer goalies, bruh, games can end one zero. In fact, games usually end one zero. Yo, <laughs> Tim Howard is was a really good goalie. Team USA ain't won nothing in the World Series. I mean, in the World Cup. Especially when you're going against, when you have Lionel Messi dropping five goals and and Cristiano Ronaldo dropping five goals like it's nothing. That don't happen. That that never happens. If you have a, the better goalie usually wins. So, my unpopular opinion of the day is the most important position in sports that dictates winning and losing is an NHL goalie. You can argue with me if you want. Leave it in the comments. It is what it is. But it, I've seen, yo, the Rangers, the the Avalanche, the Ranger, the Rangers, Avalanche, and Tampa Bay Lightning, all have incredible players. One thing, and the reason why I didn't say the Oilers is because the Oilers had the worst of the goalies and now they just got sweat and I think the two best goalies right now in the NHL is on the Tampa Bay Lightning and the and the Rangers and that's why they're going back and forth so the most important position in sports that dictates winning and losing is an NHL is a hockey goalie and there you have it <laughs> that's been today's episode of the unpopular podcast if you want a popular podcast, shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, uh, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Hey, man, it looks good. So get yours. Also, please subscribe to wherever you're listening. Please subscribe to wherever you're watching. And until next time, much love. I think I learned my lesson. Yeah. I think I learned my lesson this time I, I think I learned my lesson Yeah Trauma got me scared and get attached, baby I fell out of love, then fell back, baby You can say whatever, fast is facts, baby Only me and God know the rest lately Too deep in my mind, it's hard to rest lately If I was you, I wouldn't waste your time trying to save me if I was you, I wouldn't waste your time. Girl, you got my soul on fire. You would love to hear that I've been burning inside. 
You would love to see another grown man cry, but my tears run dry. How could you be so ungrateful? Running for the ground, but your heart is unstable. Let's leave it all on the table. Let's leave it all on the table. You've been out the picture, but your mind frame, huh? Cause I won't fall victim to your mind games, huh? You'd rather expose me in broad day, huh? You would rather see me dead than have it my way home. But I know you very well. It's like everything that's coming out your mouth is like a lie from hell. I know you very well. You live in fairy tales. You live in fairy tales. That's not reality. Yeah. I learned my lesson this time. I learned my lesson this I think I learned my lesson.